So we just worship you in spirit and in truth this morning. We honor you with our hearts before we honor you with our words. We honor you with our intentions and our attention. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all that that means for us. Thank you for who you are in our lives and ever-present help in times of trouble. We just worship and honor you today. It's all in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can worship with us this morning. Feel free to stand or sit. Um, the altar is always open if you feel led to come pray. Um, there's no judgment here, so however you feel led to worship is completely fine. And um, She's like, okay. She said, it is 1043. Let's get a move on. Anyway, all right. Y'all worship with us this morning.
studying about that good old way and who shall wear the starry crown good lord show me the way oh sisters let's go down let's go down come on down oh sisters let's go down down in the river to pray as i went down in the river to pray studying about that good old way and who shall wear the robe and crown good lord show me the way oh brothers let's go down let's go down come on down oh brothers let's go down down in the river to pray as i went down in the river to pray studying about that good old way and who shall wear the starry crown good lord show me the way oh fathers let's go down let's go down come on down oh fathers let's go down down in the river to pray as i went down in the river to pray studying about that good old way and who shall wear the robe and crown good lord show me the way oh mothers let's go down let's go down come on down come on mothers let's go down down in the river to pray as i went down in the river to pray studying about that good old way and who shall wear the starry crown good lord show me the way oh sinners let's go down let's go down come on down come on sinners let's go down down in the river to pray as i went down in the river to pray studying about that good old way and who shall wear the robe and crown good lord show me the way amen thank you jesus that you are exalted on high in the heavens that you are the name above every name that you wear the robe and crown, that you are seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, that you are the name by which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Lord, we want to speed your coming. Whatever that means, Lord, build your kingdom here. Build your kingdom here in this church. Build your kingdom in our hearts. Build your kingdom in our families. Build your kingdom in our city, Lord. May it be done as you have said it will be done. Lord, we want to follow you. We want to follow you into the dark places, into the scary places. Lord, into the places that it's so challenging to go. Even the places in ourselves that we're scared to surrender to you. We're scared to give over to you. 
Lord, we're scared to encounter your spirit. Lord, any place in us that's still holding on to control, any place in us that's still holding on to the responsibility of our own lives, we surrender it to you. We lay it down at your feet and say, here you go, Lord. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me whatever that looks like, whatever you want from me, whatever your plan is. I surrender all of my ideas and my agendas and my plans, and I submit them to you for approval first. Or we maybe not move ahead. May we not move ahead until your spirit goes before us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your guidance, your direction. We honor you in this place this morning. Amen. We have a few announcements. Um, I'm not doing them. Thankfully. You guys can be seated if you're not. You got it. Good morning, New Heights. Got the lights on. Hey, we'd like to call the ushers and do communion before we do the announcements. So actually, Claudel, we can shut the lights off. Kevin's got it. We'll pass out communion and uh, then we will pray. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to get together as your church body, Lord, as our family, our church family. And we just ask you uh, at this time, Lord, that um, you would cause us to reflect on those areas in our life, Lord, as we participate in communion. Maybe those things that have been a burden to us or those things that we're holding on to. We ask you as we reflect during this time that you would just make us aware of those things, Lord, that we would leave them with you this morning. The things that have kept us burdened and weighed down, Lord, the things that have kept us in fear, things that have kept us in anger and unforgiveness, Lord. We ask that you would help us to search our hearts this morning as we participate in this communion and that we would leave all those things with you. And we just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Everybody understand the reason why we do communion? I know in some of our men's groups or in some of the recovery groups that I used to work in, a lot of the guys didn't really understand what the significance was. They thought, okay, I'm just duplicating what Jesus did with the disciples. But it's really a personal encounter, a time to, to get alone and close in and press into the Lord and just ask him, uh, those areas in our life we may not even be aware of, the, the things that we may have been carrying that uh, we're really not aware of, and they hinder us, and they hinder our walk, and they hinder our intimacy with Him. And I think that's why it's important that it's not just a matter of eating the, the emblem as the bread and drinking the uh, grape juice as the wine and going through the process, but it's a time to really close our eyes and just press into Him and say, Lord, what in my life is keeping me from walking in Your fullness? What in my life is keeping me from experiencing your joy on a day-to-day -day basis? And he will point those things out to you. That's usually the thing that we find ourselves in communion. And there may be things that we're aware of that we've just been holding on to. And we said, you know what, I'm not ready to let this go. But it's really hindering you in your walk and the joy and the peace that he wants to bring you. So if you have any of those things this morning as we get ready to take communion, I just pray as we... 
take the emblems that you would just say, Lord, I'm tired of carrying this. I'm tired of holding on to this. I want to release it to you. And I give it to you freely. And you may be sitting there saying, I have this, but I can't give it to you, Lord. There's no way I can let this go. This person hurt me so deeply. And I have so much anger or unforgiveness to that person. I can't do it, but I know you can. So would you do that in me? I give it to you. And even though we don't mean the things sometimes we're saying, he will give us the heart and the posture to release those things that will totally free us and allow us to walk in a new way with him. So I would just uh, encourage you this morning as we press in to do any evaluations that you feel you need to do, any things that you feel have kept you from that. And just tell Jesus that I want to walk in your fullness. I want everything that you have for me, and I don't want anything between you and me. So when Jesus was sitting back at the table with the disciples and they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke the bread and he said to his disciples, take it. This is my body. Broken for you and eat it in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And he said, and do this in the same way. Take this cup and drink it. This is the blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many. So, Lord, we thank you as we take these emblems this morning, Father, that you can search our hearts and you can know us intimately. You know everything, every thought that we have, every action that we do. You know those things that we have done in our past that we can't let ourselves off the hook for. But, Lord, there's nothing that you can't forgive us for. Your grace covers all of our sins, Lord, past, present, and future. So as the enemy would try to keep us discouraged and away from the things that you have planned for us because we don't feel worthy enough. We don't feel that we could measure up. We don't feel that we could serve in any capacity because of our past. Those are lies from the pit of hell. And, Lord, I just pray you would give us all a new spiritual revelation of how you want us to live and walk and where you want us to serve, whether it be starting in our own homes and loving our wives the way you love the church, loving our husbands the way you love the church, Lord, our family our friends being honorable, being men and women of integrity and transparency, that people see us and they want what we have. And sometimes it's almost unexplainable. We have to just do our daily walk and show them through our, the way we live our lives, Lord, because it's not words. It's an inward change, an inward conversion of our heart, a heart that's have been hardened from years and years of things that have been done to us or things that we have done. So, Lord, we just receive a new heart today, Father. We just ask you to restore our heart in those places that have been deeply wounded. Would you heal those? Would you come into those places, Lord? We love you. We honor you. We thank you in all these things. We give you thanks and praise. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So, we have some announcements. Um, we have um, T-shirts that are on sale out back there. I think there's still some left. Uh, $8 a piece or two for 15. And as we get ready for the crisp weather, we'll be having some sweatshirts coming out. I think uh, Brad and Shannon announced that last week. Um, and so 
those are available for pre-order. I believe they're $25. Um, and then uh, if you've missed the first uh, Isaiah Bible study, um, those are happening every Sunday for the next Saturday. Okay, Saturday, Sunday, just show up. It'll be here. If you get here Sunday, they'll be here next Saturday. So Saturday at 10 a.m. to noon. Um, and w everybody's heard a lot of great things. The women are loving it. And I know we're discussing on the men's side of what we're going to do this fall, so stay tuned for that. Uh, also, uh, we're going to do our tithes and offering now, so we'll have the ushers come up. And we have a, uh, I think we've adjusted, yeah, we have a QR code now. Um, I think you can actually take a picture of that. Not sure how far away you can take a picture, but you can text to give, you can QR to give. Um, and I think that's all of the announcements. Um, we are grateful that uh, Pastor Brad and Shannon have been able to get away for this holiday weekend, some much-needed rest and time together as a family. Uh, we're grateful for uh, everyone here that uh, continues to support and uh, just press into praying for our pastors, and um, we just uh, are excited that they're able to have some time to get away. I think when they went out to the tents, there was a lot more work than relaxation. I know Claudel and Summer and everyone that went out there uh, were there actively participating. I didn't see anybody soaking up the sun at the beach. So um, we're just grateful for them. We love them. We want to honor them, and um, we welcome them back next week. So uh, let's pray over the offering, and then um, my amazing wife is going to come up and speak to you. So... Um, Let's just pray. Father, thank you again for this time that we come together, Lord. Uh, you've given us an amazing time of worship with our worship team. We've had a time of reflection and communion. And now, Lord, we come to you as a, um, a time of offering, Lord, a time of sacrifice and giving. And, Lord, uh, we just know that you use and multiply the gifts that are given. So I just pray, Father, today that everything given would be used for your glory, for your kingdom, and the things, the work that you've set us to do here in our community, Lord. Uh, so I just pray you would bless each of the people here today. Father, would you bless them, bless the gift, bless the giver, Lord, and just give us a great time in you, Lord. Would you sharpen our, our minds to receive the word and our ears to hear, Lord, that we would receive whatever message you have for us. Holy Spirit, we just say yes and amen to everything you have. We love you and we honor you, Lord. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. Here she is. Thank you, thank you. Good morning, guys, girls, family. So good to see you this morning. I am um, going to talk to you, I guess, on a sermon I'm calling Ankle Deep. You'll know why at the end of it. I have a lot of isms, if you will. And oh, that's a little loud. So uh, first, we're going to open in prayer. So. I like to pray the scriptures as much as I can because I figure they already worked. So why not stick with what we know, right? So Father God, we welcome you and your Holy Spirit this morning. We welcome your river of life. We ask you to come and restore today. We choose to repent, Father God, and to turn away from all of our offenses. We rid ourselves of all of our offenses that we have committed to get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. So today, Father God, we ask for that new heart experience with you. 
Bless our time and teach us to live. Amen. There's two scriptures that I'm doing this morning. These are fun for me. I'm, I'm kind of a more of an Old Testament person. I know we love the New Testament. I absolutely adore it. But when it comes to lessons and things, life lessons that he's taught me, I got most of it from the Old Testament. I don't know if I'm just like Jeremiah, you know, Ezekiel, Isaiah, the, the major prophets. They speak to my heart in a way that I hope today I can speak into yours why that, that is. So I'm going in, uh, first it's Ezekiel 47. And I'm just going to start and go until, i got to put these funky things on, excuse me. <laughs> I'm going to go and just for a minute in Ezekiel 47. And I am reading from the voice, so if it throws you off, um, that's where I am. If the prince gives one of it, oh, no, wait a minute, I'm sorry, that's not it. It is Ezekiel, <laughs> wait a minute, Ezekiel 47.1, yeah, okay. The man whose appearance was like bronze led me to the temple's entryway. There I observed a stream of water bubbling up from beneath the temple's threshold, flowing eastward in the same direction the temple faced. The water was running parallel to the temple's walls south of the altar. My guide led me through the north gate and took me around the outside wall to the east gate. I looked and I could see the water trickling out from the south end of the east gate. The man walked toward the east with a measuring line in his hand and measured off 1,750 feet or about a third of a mile. Then we walked together through the ankle deep water. He measured off another 1,750 feet and we walked together now through the water that was knee deep. He measured as we walked about another 1,750 feet and we waded together through water that was waist deep. Then he measured off another 1,750 feet. But this time I couldn't wade any further because the water was too deep. Now the stream of water had become a river deep enough for swimming. And then the second one is from John 7. And in John 7, going to verse 37 through 39. And again, I'm still in the voice, so it's different. And it says, on the last day, the biggest day of the festival, Jesus stood again and he spoke aloud. If any of you is, you, if any of you is thirsty, come to me and drink. And if you believe in me, the Hebrew scriptures say that the rivers of living water will flow from within you. So, concepts. What does it mean, rivers of water, and why does that keep being mentioned? What are the rivers of water? You know that every time the Bible talks about water and rivers of water, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the flow of the Holy Spirit, right? It moves like water the water of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're referring to, right? In, um, so I am, con this is concepts, okay? This is how I take from the old and the new, and this is how God gives it to me. You know how Jesus always told parables. He never just came out and, you know, hey, this, guys, this is exactly what's happening. This is the spiritual realm, and this is, what he did was tell them stories, always telling them stories. Why? Because there's a deeper meaning in every story. Everything that Jesus took time to speak about, there was a deeper meaning. Would you agree with that? He, he doesn't just tell us things for no reason. There is a reason that these are in the Bible, that they made it, okay? So it says, we face trials and shortcomings, and, it's best of, and through repentance with Jesus' cross of forgiveness in full view. Every time you go to Jesus in prayer, 
and ask him to forgive you, he is faithful and just to forgive you, regardless of the extent of the sin that you're dealing with. I am terrible at going with notes, okay? I'm just going to sit it there. <laughs> Let me go this way because it's just easier for me. So when we're talking about ankle deep, right, the water that's ankle deep, he's saying when you enter into your spiritual realm, in, when you come into the place of asking Jesus to come into your life, when you come to the place where I think I need something more than this flesh has to offer, then you come to that place through repentance and you ask Jesus to come in and forgive you of your sins. How many of you realize that you are actually not the owner of your life? You don't own your life. You are stewarding your life. You're stewarding it, but you don't own it. You didn't create your life. You came from your mother's womb without any input into it. When you return home, you're going without any input into that either. You don't own your life. The lease on your life will expire. But if you are the temple of God, which is what the word says you are, you're the place where he dwells. You know all these Old Testament scriptures that always talk about the temple, the temple, and then do it this way exactly and how you do it and all the, why you have this, this a thousand different verses on how to build the temple, what the temple looks like, how you have to arrange everything. If there was another way to think about it, you are the temple, right? Your flesh, which most of us run by, which is all, where all sin actually comes from, the sexual sin, all the sin that you do comes from your flesh. I want, you know, the things that you want, the selfishness and all that stuff, it comes from your flesh wanting and trying to make its own way. Your spirit or your spirit man is the one that is the holy of holies, and your soul is the outer court, right? The, well, the flesh is the outer court. The soul is the inner court, but still out, if you know what I mean. So when you first ask Jesus to come into your life, right, your spirit man connects with its spirit, with the Holy Spirit of the living God. You connect, okay? Make sense? Then what happens is he starts on the outside because it's where you dwell. It's where you are. Most of us run and have been run by our flesh our entire lives until we come into a revelation that, wait a minute, this isn't how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to be the other way. We're supposed to go from what the Spirit says into and bring that into the flesh realm, not what the flesh says and bring it into our lives, into the soul realm, right? That's not how it's supposed to work. But how do you understand this in a way and bring it to life in a way? God has given us so many scriptures. So when you first come in, you know how many scriptures say, you know, like the tree planted by the water tree? You are the tree, okay? You are the tree planted by the water. But he wants you to step into the water. So you ask Jesus to come into your life, right? Okay, I'm, I'm going to try a little bit of this religion stuff. Stepping in just a little, just a little. Don't give me too much of it because, you know, it wears me out. Sometimes it makes me tired and sometimes it's too much and I can't figure it out. So I don't want that. I don't want that. So we stay in the ankle deep place. We just stay there. Some of us live our entire lives until we go home there because we didn't know that there was more. Do you know that there's more in the spirit? Do you know that there's more in the Christian walk than what you're experiencing? God, I hope so. God, I hope so, because I don't want this to be the end of it, because this isn't enough. It's not enough. Is it enough for you? Is it enough going through life every day, and we still have anxiety, we still have fear, we still have doubt, we still have unforgiveness, we still have all the garbage, and yet the benefit of our relationship with Jesus is like this, because it's all we invest in it. 
took me years to realize this. I'm not pointing fingers when I say this. My walk has been so hideous that it took me years to realize. I understand only because I've had to walk through so much stuff. I've had so much. I was an alcoholic for 14 years. You guys know my story, all that. I had to walk through so much. But every step of the way when I thought, you know, the water feels good, the temperature's good, kind of like it. I like a little bit of the singing stuff. I like a little bit of the worship stuff. But don't push me too deep because, you know, that just, I'm not there yet. And I got a lot of stuff in here I don't want you to look at, you know. I've been through this. I feel like I have one message. I honestly feel like I have one message. Every time I talk to you guys, I'm talking about your heart and repentance, and I'm talking about giving it up, right, to get a new heart. Jesus' goal in your life is for you to sit him back on the throne of your heart in the holy of holies where you and him alone can dwell. You do understand that you are the priest of your temple. You're the priest of your temple, your life, your heart. Nobody else can go into that place but you, and if you allow it, God. You know, in the Old Testament, one guy could go in, one high priest once a year. That high priest is Jesus, right? Now, you go into that place and give him access to your heart, and that brings him. But you are the priest of your heart, and you decide what goes in there, what you're going to keep, what you're going to spit out. Hmm, hadn't thought of it that way, right? So when we walk in sin, and Jesus says that we are the stones that the temple is being built from in the New Testament, right? If we're the stones, the living stones, and you have all this garbage in your heart, and you say it's nobody's business because it's just mine, but it is. Because the stones that we are building together as churches and as a bride of Christ, we depend on each other. So if your stone, your priest of your house, is not protecting and keeping out the sin, the sin of unforgiveness, hatred, you allowing that to come in, you are upsetting the foundation and the building blocks. Does that make sense? We have a responsibility to each other. We do. We have an absolute responsibility to each other. The reason the enemy tries to create so much garbage, division, telling you because of the color of your skin and, or the culture you were raised in or the different language you speak, that we're not the same, we're not together, that is a lie from the pit of hell. We need each other. We are building with each other. We desperately need purity of heart so that we can be those building stones. Does that make sense? We're getting taught the, the worst thing, and they're teaching our kids this, that no, 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 because you're a different color, you're not good enough in this. Dude, stop. Stop. That is such a lie. We need each other. God comes coming after a clean and spotless bride. It's all of the stones together. It's all of our lives together. So if you're the priest of your temple and you are not asking God to give you the grace to kick out the garbage, you're inviting the termites into the bride of Christ. Is that allowed or should it be? Shouldn't we be? If you're going to steward this life and then at the end of it give it back to God, you're just stewarding it. You don't own it. It's his life. He created you for a reason. He has a beautiful destiny for you. He needs you to be strong. He wants you. He desires that you are in full and complete redemption and restoration in every area. The only thing stopping you is you. I got in my own way my entire life. Every time he said, I need this, it's like, oh, not that one. God, no, 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 no. I hate that memory. I'm not going there. It's like... Do you understand that when I go with you into that memory, I'm going to fix it? Hmm. 
but it takes courage. It takes courage to do these things. We've become a kind of a wimpy, wet noodle church, if you will. And I say that lovingly, I say it lovingly, but we as a people, like I was telling my ladies yesterday, at the most we try to avoid pain at all costs. And if it's gonna hurt to go into a memory, I'm not doing that, I'd rather go down the street and drink. I'd rather go over here, do some drugs in my bud, smoke some weed, do whatever. I don't wanna go to those memories, garbage. You know, what's, what's the point? Well, if you never see the point, why would it be worth it to you? I am here to tell you the point today. The point is purity and holiness. And the reason that we need it is so that we can build on each other, so that we can build the kingdom of God together, so that we can be a church who truly honors God and do it his way. He's not going to let us build something inferior to what he has designed. That temple has to be perfect, right? It has to be perfect. He's not going to let the crud in my heart, the termites in my heart are the stones. What it is is every single sin that you keep in your heart that you don't share with Jesus is a pebble, a little tiny pebble. After a while, those pebbles conglomerate in your heart, and then they start to form stones, and then they start to form walls. Because every time you allow, as the priest of your temple, some garbage into your heart, oh, they hate me, or I hate them, or this is happening because, you know, and there's no, no sense in trying to do anything good because everybody else is messing up. Lawlessness sounds fun, why not? When you allow those little pebbles into your heart, what happens is they form the stones and the walls that put a wall between you. And then you're sitting there one day and saying, why doesn't God talk to me? Why doesn't God talk to me? He talks to other people. Do you know you're supposed to experience your relationship with God? It's not just, oh, someday in the by and by, right? You're supposed to experience him now. You're supposed to hear his voice now. He wants to be that personal. It's a personal relationship. It means that I'm going to have a personal relationship with my husband, but I don't ever go to where he is. I'm like, call him on the phone. Hey, yeah, dude, I, I love you. Great. That's what we do to God all the time. We do it to God all the time. And then there comes this desperation where we say, you know what? This garbage of ankle deep isn't working for me because I'm restless. My heart is restless. You were born and created to war and to fight. Didn't see that one coming, did you? No, I'm just supposed to sit and chill out and do my own thing and get through this life. What's the sense of life? What is the sense of life? You were put into a war zone and you're the guy sitting there selling grapefruit on the corner while everybody else is going back and forth. Your friends and your neighbors are dying from this war and you have the solution and yet you don't think it's for you. You know, other people can engage in this. This isn't for me. No, this is for you. This is for every person in every church sitting there today. This is for you. This is the call to action. This is the call that says, first you war for your relationship with Jesus. First, you war to push the stones out of your own heart, to get them out of your heart so that you can hear him. And then once you war for that, when you can hear him, you obey him. When he says, I need this memory, I need to clear this out of you, I need you to forget about this past stuff, I need you to get rid of your shame, guilt, and condemnation. Everybody has this thing going on, well, if God only knew this about me, he wouldn't want me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. He knows everything about you, and yet he's coming after you full force. With everything he's got, he's coming after you. So where do you get that? That's the enemy. If God only knew the sin in my life, he knows it. He just wants you to bring it to him and tell him how you feel about it. He wants you to speak personally because it's a personal relationship. So we run around. We take these, 
all these scriptures, and then we turn them into these do's and don'ts of religiosity. Oh, yes, but if you do this, you're a good steward. No, dude, that's not being a good steward. That's being a robot. It's being a robot. God doesn't want good stewards who just do the same thing and walk in the line, don't get out. He wants sheep who jump the gate, who get out of the gate and go eat on the other side of the pen. Get out of the fence. Get out to that green grass on the other side where Jesus is. He's not going to come into our dirty, nasty pen. He already came into a dirty manger. He did all he had to do, right? He came into that place. That dirty manger is your heart. He came into that very small space in your heart, the little tiny space that you would give him. He came there, right? That's what the walk is. This whole book is describing the beautiful dance of your spirituality and what it means. And yet we miss it. We miss it for... It's a historical book. This happened in the Kings, and how does that affect my life? And this happened over here, and then, then that happened. And then if you don't do this, how does that affect my life? And then one day you get tired of it, and you stop it. You take the religious bondage off your throat and your neck, and you say, I want to hear from you, God. What are you saying? And if you want me, you're going to have to tell me because I really don't think that you do. I really think that my sin was too much for you. And I don't have the heart or the courage to come after you anymore because I feel like I'll fail. Well, have you tried it? I thought I did. I think I am. I'm going to church. I'm doing the right thing. I'm tithing. But I don't feel you. I don't feel your presence. I don't feel anything. I don't hear you. Other people hear you. How come I don't hear you? Because you have pebbles in your heart that he won't remove, but he needs you to do it. He needs you to stand up one day and say, I am sick and tired of living like this. I'm not going to live subpar anymore. I want to live in victory. I want to overcome with my Jesus, and I want to be seated in heavenly places with him. I want to sit with him, and I want to see how he sees things. He doesn't see it the way we see it. He doesn't see your sin as this great big garbage truck. He sees your sin as a mosquito he just wants to whack. I just want to get that off of your neck, kid. Give it to me. Your behaviors of yesterday do not in any way dictate to God who you are. You're still his child. If your child came in and said, you know what I did yesterday? I bopped Jimmy over the head with a pool stick and now I'm in trouble at school. Is that going to cause you to not love your child? And how much more a holy God who is pure love than our weak little love, right? Even in our weak little love, we would never fault our child for that. We would tell him, don't do it again, and I love you. How much more God? This is the thing. We put the face of nasty, angry religion and man on God, and then we wonder why we don't measure up. And he's like, it's not even who I am. It's not who I am. Of course you measure up. I don't need you to measure up. Actually, I want to do everything. I want to sit on the throne of your heart, and I want to take over your life with you. I want you to sit next to me. And I want you to let us together in this dance of life, I want you to let us rule and reign in this earth. And then I'm going to bring you home. I have a plan for this. It's already written. If you would follow your book of your life straight through, you would see that on every page I want to be on it. I don't want you to shrink back. And when the enemy comes and says, not for you, that's not for you, don't listen to that message because you're an idiot and nobody likes you. Okay, you're going to listen to that lie and bow to it over here? You're going to bow to that lie? Because it's a lie. And who's the father of lies? You are worshiping the wrong thing. Or are you going to listen for the truth when he says, child, 
I don't care what you did. Listen, we can fix that. We can fix it all. I can fix everything. I can turn it all around. And then you bow to him. You say, please do it. Submit to me is what he says. Submit to me. It's not that bad. We fight and we war to be right, to hold on to our pride. Well, no, I'm never going to forgive this person because they did this, and if I forgive them, that means they're off the hook. It doesn't mean they're off the hook. You don't have any control of they're on the hook or off the hook. You don't have any control of that. We have no control, zero. And especially not of somebody else's heart. So if somebody hurts you, right, your only job in this world is to forgive them. And how do you do that when the hurt is so deep and your heart is so scarred? Wow, that really hurt. You hurt my feelings. Okay, it's time to suck it up, buttercup. Now we're going to stand up. And what you're going to do is you're going to use your mouth, like it says in Deuteronomy 30, and you're going to say, period. I choose to forgive you. I release you so-and-so. You owe me nothing. And you're going to back up and push them to Jesus and say, Jesus, take them. Take them. I release forgiveness, and I don't want to have that bitterness in my heart. I don't want resentment, so I'm not going to hold it. Right? That takes a little bit more courage than to sit there and say, no, I'm right. Is being right worth going to hell for? Is that not pride? And if pride is in there, that's another one of them stones that Jesus isn't going to pull out. He's going to ask you to hand it to him. Right? Not saying these things as somebody who doesn't know my entire life is a mess or has been a mess. Like I said, 14 years an alcoholic, so many mistakes. All I've ever done was a big, giant mistake. So when I came to him and he said, I want to forgive you, I said, you don't want this. You don't want any part of this. And he said, oh, but I do. And I said, that's ridiculous because I... I know what religion taught me. You know, I was raised Catholic. I know that I have to go to the priest every Friday. I missed a lot of Fridays. 14 years of Fridays. I didn't go to confession. Didn't open the little weird door. I didn't do any of that. 14 years, so I know. You must have given me the hand. He said, I never wanted you to open the weird little door. I never needed you to call any man father but me. Never needed that from you. I don't need anything from you, child. I just want your heart. I want your heart. And I want it in fullness, and I want you to be real with me, and I want transparency. Don't walk through this life with that rag you call a heart. One more day when I can restore it and I can give you a new heart. Ezekiel 11, I want to give you a new heart. I want to take out that thing you call a heart filled with stones that is no longer functioning and that is tying you down, and I want to give you a new heart. I want you to step into the water. I want you to come a little further. And then you're like, if I can trust you, I'm going into the knees. He says, it's up to you. Faith without works is dead. Okay, I'm going into the knees. Uh, it's a little scary because the stuff is moving, and I've been on dry land for 100 years, you know? Nothing moves over here. It just stands still, and I know what to expect. I'm good at controlling my environment when I know what to expect. This stuff is moving all around me. He's like, yeah. How's that feel? Huh? Kind of feels good, a little freedom. Why did Jesus wash the feet of the disciples? I know to cleanse them and what the historical aspect of is, the sandals and they, you know, they had dirty feet. Or was it to get them used to the water that he was about to be crushed and release to them, the Holy Spirit? He wants us to get used to the water. Water moves without your help. Water does what it wants to do. The Holy Spirit moves without our help. He does what he wants to do. We cannot control God. Why do we try? We're constantly trying to control everything so it doesn't hurt us because we're constantly running away from pain. 
Guys, you can't run away from it. Turn around and look that thing in the eye and say, you know what? This and no more will you take from me. I'm done. You're not taking one more day. So yeah, it's going to hurt a little. Let's do it. Let's get this thing going. Let's go. Let's go. Let's cut the head off of this giant because I'm about sick of him screaming in my face. I'm sick of him telling me every day that you should be in fear. Oh, you should worry. Those people over there are talking. I don't care. I don't care anymore because you know what? He who is with me goes before me and behind me, and he sits on the throne of my heart. He owns this life. It's not mine, right? Now go to 1 Corinthians, right? What does it say in 1 Corinthians 6? Your life is no longer your own. You were bought with a price. You belong to Christ Jesus. You know what that means? That means that he owns you. He owns your life. You're not leasing anymore. He owns your life, and you just get to ride. You just get to ride with him. You just get to ride. But most of us are white-knuckling it so much in religion that we just don't know how to let go of the wheel. you got to let go. you got to stop the insanity of ruminating on how bad a person you are. Because what you're doing is saying that God created junk. And I know I say this all the time, but it's got to get to your heart. God didn't create junk. He didn't create one thing that wasn't absolutely perfect. Do you understand? Listen to this. This will blow your mind. He just told me this this week. Do you understand that at one point you were just a thought in God's head? You, your entire life, was just a thought in the holiest mind that ever existed. You were a thought. Let that sink in for a minute. That means that if you, I tell people that you... You, we always go scrolling through trying to find our ancestry because every single person alive is looking for somebody to tell me who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing. We don't realize we're doing that, but we are. Everything in our lives, that's why we need man's approval. That's why we need likes on Facebook. That's why we're on Instagram all the time. I need to know who I am and, like, what am I good at? And we look to other people to tell us, and God's like, I want to tell you how I designed you, you know? I want to tell you how I designed you. You who are in his head, he has an absolute plan of what you would do, what you would accomplish, and where your stone of your temple would fit in with all the others and how much life it would bring to all the others, how much each one of you will influence so many as you bring more stones to build the temple, more stones. They get rid of their stones and then become living, breathing temple of God, the bride of Christ. That makes sense? You were designed perfectly. You started out holy. So if you want to know what your roots and your ancestry is, this is your roots and your spirit. You were born in the mind of God. You were created in the mind of God before you ever came into this earth. That will blow you out of the water. And why are you trying to change it, fix it, mess it up, say it's not good enough, when the holiest ever created it? What better job could you do of creating it? Could you do a better job? No. And you don't have to. The one thing that the church never does, and we always say this, is the rest, right? Nobody rests because you're not allowed. You should work, work, work like a slave so someone else can have all your stuff, and then you just keep working and be a good steward of work. How about if you just laid down in a river? How about if you just dove right in and said, you know what, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of it. Lay on your back and float until something stops you. What if that happened? What would be the worst that could happen? Would Jesus catch you if you decided to dive into that river 
the Ezekiel 47 River, if you dove in, if you went from the dry land to the ankle deep, to the knee deep, to the waist deep, and then dove, what would happen in your life? Everything would change because you would actually start to enjoy life. You would actually start to have joy as opposed to anger or whatever it is you're experiencing, depression, anxiety is huge in everybody because maybe I won't be okay. You will always be okay. If you're honoring God, Psalms 91 has not changed. It will not change. She who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He's responsible for you. First Corinthians doesn't change. That never changes. You don't belong to yourself. You're not in charge. You're not your babysitter. You're the priest of your house, so you have to be careful what lies come into your heart. But as soon as you recognize the lies in your heart, you spit it out. Ooh, what was that? Thank you, God. I don't want that either. I repent for it, and I give it back to you. Repentance, repentance, repentance can be done daily, every day, all the time. I do it constantly. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I just did that again. And he's like, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Once you get through the first few of your big sins with him that you think are going to over, and it will, it will exhaust you. Spiritual warfare is exhausting. And that just means getting rid of my stuff and trusting that God will take it and not judge me. That's all that means. That's a whole bunch. That's all spiritual warfare is. I'm going to give you my junk, God. Will you not judge me? He says, I've already been judged for you. What? He says, every sin that you've ever committed, I bought, and I paid dearly for it. But you hold it back from me, so I'm only getting half of my pay from your life. That's not right, is it? What Jesus did was complete. So if you're holding back these sins, because what would happen if people knew? Well, they would probably figure out, hey, it's not so bad. Let me tell you about my junk. Maybe that would encourage them to get rid of their stuff instead of sitting in pews pretending my life is wonderful. Oh, I got such a good life. And then you leave here and you can't control the way people are walking out. And you can't control the way people are looking at you. They must be talking about me. Dude, lay back in the river. It's time to lay back in the river. And it's time for us as a church and a body to understand that we can't be avoiding pain our whole lives. You've got sin in your life. I know it. God knows it. You're the only one that thinks nobody knows it. Okay? You're the only one. They don't know what my sin is. It's the worst. No, it's not the worst. There's a lot worse. I've heard so many cases. There's so much sin. It doesn't matter. We've all been tempted and lost. We've all been tempted by the flesh. We've all fallen to the flesh, and we've all lost. There's no sin worse than any other, and there's no place to take it but to Jesus and let him get his pay for it. Can Jesus get his reward from your life? Not if you don't get those pebbles out of your heart so he can use that heart, that big, beautiful heart that he put in you and give you the new heart and let it breathe again and release his presence and represent Jesus to the world that needs to hear it. All your friends at work that don't want to come to church because they've been stifled by religion their whole lives, it hurts, it maims, and it kills. Who is the originator of religion? Honoring Jesus and a relationship with Jesus and knowing him at his word and knowing and having experiences with him is completely different than going to a church and idolizing it. We don't idolize a church. Oh, but I'm a member of this, so I have to serve and do. Yes, you will do that out of a grateful heart because you love Jesus so much, but it's not what you have to do. If you choose to go down that river all day, next six months, whatever, Jesus is going to be right with you. He's going to guide you. He's going to love you. He's not going to forget you because you didn't drive your car to a certain situation every week. That's not who he is. He wants to be your best friend. 
He wants to heal you and then use you, right? It doesn't matter. It's not about church attendance. That's not what it is, and that's where we've gone. And it's really kind of just, that's what Jesus' sacrifice amounts to. Did you show up at church this week? Why do we minimize him? We can't control God. I've had experiences with God, and I'm going to tell you this as, as I close today. One of my experiences with God, because I can't settle, and I hope you don't either. I hope that none of you actually ever settle. I need to know God why, and I need to hear it from you. I don't want to hear it from people, and I don't. I'm reading this, and I don't understand it. So when we first moved down here, there was this argument that, guys, I don't know. I'm not, I've never been to a seminary. I've never done any of the theological studies, if you will. I just stay in the word, and I talk to God. That's all I do. That's all I do. It's all that ever brought life. And every time I tried to do something different, he kept saying, I would that my Holy Spirit teach you all things. I'm like, I'm listening. I'm listening. I need this from your heart. I, you got it. Okay, yeah, that one's horrible. But go ahead. Go ahead. Every time he says, I need this, you give it. That's all you do. You, give, you submit to him, and this is how relationship works. Stop hiding your stones. It doesn't work that way. So I was when I got down here, they had this, and you guys probably know in this terms for it. I don't know if it's Calvin or somebody. I don't know. Once saved, always saved. There's that one, right? Now everybody fights over this like, oh, because I have to know that if I'm in and then they're out. It's not the way God works either. Okay, I don't know what that means. You know, <laughs> I'm not sure, but don't want to insult anybody, but I don't even know what that, how that works. So I had to ask God, and I said, and there's two things that disturb me. So I'm on a treadmill. When you're on the treadmill, your body has to shut up, right? So I'm in my basement in Maine. I'm on a treadmill. And when your flesh has to shut up, your spirit is freer to hear. Mm, just, it's just a thing. So, so as I'm running and my body has to shut up, then my spirit man was free. And I said, God, I got two questions for you because these don't make any sense to me. And I said, why did they argue about this? Because I don't see it and I don't get it. And what's this thing? If once saved, always saved. And once your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, then boom, you're good. And, and he says, what does that actually say? I said, what does what say? Revelations 20. So when you go into Revelations 20, what it says is, I saw a great white throne and the one who was seated on it and the earth and heaven receded from his presence. There was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing in front of the throne. Some books were opened. Then another book was opened, and it was called the Book of Life. Hmm. Some books were opened. What's that mean? Like, why is that there? When I know my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay, but what does it say before that? What are the books that are open? He said, what if? This is how he answered me, okay? He said, what if? Those books are your life. And on page 200, you asked me in, and you said, Lord, please be my savior, yes. And on page 220, you had this terrible crisis going on, and you didn't, you didn't even ask him. You're like, oh, God, but you didn't ask him. You didn't tell him. And on page 300, one of those old pebbles came up and started to cause a heart problem, and you're like, oh, no, and you, but you never talked to him about it. And on page 3,000, you die, and you take your little book, and you walk up to him, and he says, I, I have to say, depart from me. I know you not. I don't know anything about you. I don't know what you thought when you went through pain. I don't know what you felt. I don't know why all that sin in your heart is still there. Why you kept that like a prized possession when I was trying to take it from you and I died for it. I, I don't know you, child. I wish I did. I wish you would have given me 
that time to know you. I don't know you. Or you bring your book to him, and on page 200, you say, Jesus, come into my heart on page 201. It's like, Jesus, I want to see your glory. What's this thing in the Bible about your glory? God, can I have a permit to build the kingdom of God? Nehemiah says that you gave them a, who were they, right? You know, respect every day of your life. You harassed him. You met with him. God, this in my heart, it bothers me. God, I have this terrible problem. I can't stop resenting people all through your life. And then you take that book to him, and he opens it up. And he looks at it, and he sits you on his lap. And it's a memory book. He says, do you remember when we did this? Hey, you did this without even knowing that I was in it. That was so cool. You see the difference? It's not that simple. It's not a simple argument of some kind of a theological question. You know, is it, are you really It's a question of do you know Jesus, and is he in your heart, and how much room do you give him? Why did he answer me that way? Because he loved me, and I asked the question, and he wanted me to know. He wanted me to know. He wants you to know. Child, you're trying to do all these things on your own to be good enough for me. You are good enough for me. I created you. You were a thought in my head. I brought you into this life. I know everything about you. You are good enough. You don't have to do one thing to be good enough. Just sit there and look at me, and let me look at you. Let me see your heart. Let me see what makes you tick. Let me love you. Stop trying to be good. Just stop it. Be imperfect and be okay with it. Be a hot mess and be okay with it. How about that? We're so worried about white-knuckling it through life, trying to be good and do the right thing and hope people will notice that I'm doing the right thing. Nobody's noticing because they're so concerned with how wrong they're doing. And then every time we use the harsh words or we just ignore people, we do things, we are adding to their already terrible, terrible. People hate themselves. Self-loathing is one of the biggest things in life. People go to drugs and alcohol because they hate themselves. Because they can't stand how bad God made them. Really? When did God become the fall guy for our lack of courage to face our sin? All he says is, I make you perfect. I'm the perfecter. I'm the one that brings you from glory to glory, okay? I'm the one that does it all. So this whole message this week is, you're going to dive into the river. You're going to stand on the shore the rest of your life because it's getting shorter every day. The life of a man, the span says, is 70 years, right? That's what the Bible says. Or more, more or less. Somewhere around 70 years. Think about that and do the math, how far away. I got 10 years left. If I only got 10 years, if I make it that long, don't I want those years to be doing nothing but building the kingdom of God and letting people see Jesus for who he is, the one that loves them, the one that died for them, the one that cares about them more than anything, that he created them. It's like looking at me and telling me my child isn't perfect. Dude, I know that they're not perfect in the ways of the world. They're perfect to me. They are absolutely perfect to me. And if I, being of shallow, human, frail love, can love them that much, how much more, God, how much more, God, can love you 
Stop running from him. You take your crud, you take your sin, you take your stain. I don't care what you did yesterday and nor does he. I don't care how you've treated people, what you've done, what you've said, all the shame, the guilt, the condemnation, what you've gotten yourself into, all the addictions, whatever. Take your mess. Get to him and take those stones out of your heart once and for all and say, Jesus, I'm not leaving this place until I get a hold of the hem of your garment. And I'm pushing through because I am a warrior. And I don't care if the enemy says I'm an idiot. I don't care anymore. I'm sick and tired of being held down. I'm getting the heck out of this sheep pen. I'm going out and eating grass in the field. I'm going where you go. I'm going where you go, Jesus. Take me out of here. I'm sick of being caged. I'm going swimming. Go and swim it. As I close today, we're going to pray over you because you know I'm always going to do that, right? I'm going to pray that as the high priest of your own temple, you learn that you don't just go in once a year anymore. It's an everyday thing. You don't own your life. You don't own it. It's on lean for you. It belongs to Jesus. Give it back to him and stop worrying about all the things you have to do to get yourself right. Lay back in the water, float, and say, I am swimming. Father God, we just come to you in prayer today, Lord Jesus, and I thank you for every person in this room, for every heart in this room. I thank you, Father God, that you are true to your word, that you are pure love, that you are a holy fire. Father God, we have stones in our hearts, Lord, and it's causing so much havoc. Lord, I ask you today to remove the stone, to remove the stone. Father God, I don't want a veil between you anymore. I want to repent. I want to jump in this river with you, Father God, and I want to be free. And I will not stop until I'm floating downstream, back float. Father God, I just want to lay on my back in the water and let it take me where it will. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you take me down that river and release me from all of my faux problems that I think I have to solve? I want truth, and I want a ton of it, and I want to be released today. So, Lord Jesus, would you baptize me today with your Holy Spirit and your fire? Give me that conviction of steel in my heart, Father God. I want that. Open the door of my heart, Father God, and walk right in. Every bit of it. I'm standing before you like David stood, and I say, search me and know me. I'm sick of hiding my sin, and especially from you. I give it all to you. All my sin, Lord, all my stain, all my doubts, my fears, my anxieties, all my depression, all of it. I give it to you, and I lay it on your cross because you died for it. How dare I withhold it from you? I give it all to you, and I ask you, Jesus, to make something out of this mess for your glory. And I want to go back to my roots. I'm asking you to redeem my time all the way back, all the way back with you. Every moment of every day of my life, redeem it, Lord. Redeem it and give me a new heart. I pray this for each and every one of us today. I thank you for everyone that in the sound of my voice, Lord, that they meet you in a different way today. Give us the new heart, Father God. We want to serve you. We are your bride. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you.